afternoon, Spark. I hope you guys had a wonderful Thanksgiving, given, given the circumstances that the year 2020 has presented. You know, for myself personally, it's been strange because my Thanksgiving plans were set in October of 2019, and we were supposed to join my mother's side of the family in Southern California. Like many of you, as the situation became clear, our plans were not going to materialize as we planned. And my wife and I had to make adjustments. But first, I had to take a moment and feel the feelings of yet another unmet expectation that this year has brought. I even had a very brief moment of one of those, why is this happening to me thoughts. I say it was very brief because I had to remember it's a global pandemic, which means everybody is making adjustments. The thought hit me that my wife has made adjustments. Spark Church has made adjustments. People everywhere across the world have made some type of adjustment, not only to their holiday traditions, but to their everyday lives. What's amazing to me is how I find comfort in the fact that the image carriers of God everywhere are making those adjustments, and I know that I'm not alone. There seems to be a simple peace in knowing that I'm a part of a community that's enduring this together. Last week, Pastor Tom took the time and highlighted Jesus' encounter with the man who was afflicted by a legion of demons in the area known as the Gersonese and the surrounding districts. This week, we're looking at Jesus's and the disciples' return from that trip as they headed back to Galilee. So let's look at Luke 8, 40-56. Everyone had been waiting for Jesus, and when he came back, a crowd was welcoming uh, there to welcome him. Just then, the man in charge of the Jewish meeting place came and knelt down in front of Jesus. His name was Jairus, and he begged Jesus to come to his home because his 12-year-old daughter was dying. She was his only daughter. While Jesus was on his way, people were crowding all around him. In the crowd was a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. She spent everything she had on doctors, but none of them could make her well. As soon as she came up behind Jesus and barely touched his clothes, her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. While everyone was denying it, Peter said, Master, people are crowding all around you, pushing you from every side. But Jesus answered, Someone touched me because I felt power going out from me. The woman knew that she could not hide, so she came trembling and knelt down in front of Jesus. She told everyone why she had touched him and that she had been healed right away. Jesus said to the woman, you are now well because of your faith. May God give you peace. While Jesus was speaking, someone came from Jairus' home and said, your daughter has died. Why bother the teacher anymore? When Jesus heard this, he told Jairus, don't worry, have faith, and your daughter will get well. Jesus went to the house, but he did not let anyone else go with him except Peter, John, James, and the girl's father and mother. Everyone was crying and weeping for the girl, but Jesus said, the child isn't dead. She's just asleep. The people laughed at him because they knew she was dead. Jesus took hold of the girl's hand and said, child, get up. She came back to life and got up and got right up. Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were surprised, but Jesus ordered them not to tell anyone what happened. The placement of the healing in this segment is significant. Jesus heals along the way to another healing, 
which can, uh, so he delays one healing for the healing of another. The text indicates that at this point, Jesus is pretty well known. We can see this because the writer of this text, who many in the church tradition attribute to Luke, notes that Jesus is welcomed upon his return from Gerasenes by a crowd of people welcoming him back. This is actually quite remarkable in light of the fact that there aren't any known live action pictures of Jesus' earthly ministry. It's not like social media was around or anyone uh, now has like modern telecommunications or visual media existed. Yet the Messiah was so profound in who he was as a person, that's probably going to happen when you're God in flesh, that at some point he couldn't move without the crowds. In the crowd was Jairus, an official of the local synagogue, who like many, any concerned parent, just wants to see his daughter, who was really sick, get well. So much so that he throws himself at Jesus' feet and Jesus affirms his, affirms his request. This, and it's it then recorded that while Jesus was walking, all these people around him, he stopped because he could feel power leave him with all those people. It turns out there was a woman who risked a lot, uh, more than any, many of us could ever imagine just to slip in the crowd and just touch his garment. In Matthew and Mark's retelling of the story, it notes that the woman's bleeding was so that she couldn't get help from the medical professionals at the time, and she had exhausted all of her resources. Luke's retelling doesn't mention this fact. Common church tradition likes to note that the author, Luke himself, was a medical doctor, and that might not have been an important detail to him that was like important to mention. This woman broke all sorts of norms and social informalities to touch Jesus. Because of her health issue, she was marked ceremonially unclean for 12 years. This means that she couldn't gather with her religious community because she was not allowed. Leviticus 15, 26-33 gives a little bit more context. Anything that the woman touched was considered ceremonially unclean, ceremonially tainted, or ceremonially defiled. And anyone who had interactions with this woman or things that she had touched were also considered ceremonially undefiled. Verse 31 stands out in particular because it says, when any of you are unclean, you must stay away from the rest of the community of Israel. This woman have, may have been an outsider from the community for 12 years. She was on the fringes. Just to get close to Jesus, she took great personal risk and risk, put the community at risk just to touch his garment. What happens next is the real turn in the writing. Jesus, while on his way to help someone important in the community, a synagogue official, someone was standing in the community, someone who many feel deserved to have his daughter healed, stops and notices and acknowledges that the powers come out of him. The whole show stops. He looks around and says, who is it that touched me? In a crowd of people. Then when the woman steps forward and tells her story of her previous medical problem in front of a very large crowd of people. Jesus restores her publicly to the community. A person was a part of her as a was a part of her community and for 12 years couldn't participate through circumstances beyond her own control. The text indicates that she tried to help herself as evidence that she spent money to seek the solution to the medical problem. 12 years of circumstantially being isolated away from the rest of her community. And she throws all of it to the side to touch Jesus. All of this happens 
while Jesus is headed to an important person's house. And Jesus says to this woman, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Go in shalom. He's telling that woman, you're no longer an outsider. You're safe. You can now rest. You can go back to your house of worships with no restrictions. Woman, you're good. In this situation, the woman puts her faith in Jesus and is healed. And Jesus' faith kicks in when it may seem like we don't have any faith left. Jairus, whose name could be translated God enlightens, encounters Jesus probably at uh, the western bank of the Sea of Galilee. He begs Jesus to come to his home and heal his daughter. Now, I'm not a parent yet, but maybe someday I will be. And hopefully I'll have the privilege of being a girl dad a term that trended on social media shortly after the death of Kobe and Gianna Bryant. Along with the Bryants, John and Carrie Alyssa Toby, Sarah and Peyton Chester, and assistant coach Christian Mauser were also killed along with pilot Era Zobayan. They were on their way to a youth girls basketball tournament. I don't know what it is, but in my lifetime, I've seen some of the most intimidating people who are involved in some of the most intense levels of combat sports become a little nicer around their daughters. This doesn't change who they are at the core. It just seems that there's something about their daughters that, that brings something out of them that I can't quite explain. And I think this explains some of Jairus's actions. When Jairus, when Jesus arrives with Jairus at his house, the situation appears to be lost. In fact, the text notes that right after Jesus had fully restored the woman, someone came from Jairus's house and told them that his daughter had died. Don't trouble to the teacher anymore. It's too late. Again, I have no clue what type of pain Jairus must have felt in that moment. The hurt, the disillusionment he went through. The fight for him must have felt over. Jesus' answer to the man in verse 50 was, don't be afraid any longer. Only believe and she will be made well. The situation looked very dire to everyone except Jesus. So much so that many of them laughed at him when he offered hope in what appeared to be a very bad and final situation because they couldn't see an alternative to the girl's death. Jesus took hold of the girl's hand and said, child, get up. She came back to life and got right up. Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Her parents were surprised, but Jesus ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Jesus restored this young woman's life, and like the woman before her, restored her back to her community. He restored her back to her family. Now, if you've been in church circles long enough, then you've heard your fair share of God bringing life back to the uh, situations of death. In this particular situation, you see Jesus' interaction with the recipients of a healing restored back to their community. The woman with the medical issue of blood was restored back to her community and given her dignity back, while Jairus' daughter was given back to her, uh, uh, her parents. One of the core values of Spark Church is resurrection of the dead. In fact, a website states the historical resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth transforms everything, our perceptions, our hopes, our understanding of reality. Ultimately, it means that new life can and does emerge from the grave. Everything is found in the resurrection, the love of God, God's reputation, 
the reconciliation of all peoples, and the rescue of the world. It means that the final and ultimate enemy of God, death and destruction, has been defeated and can be overcome. This new life invitation is extended to all to be experienced now and in the world to come. We believe new and renewed life is possible through the resurrection of Jesus. We believe there's no condition and no person that is exempt from poss uh, this possibility. Being sparked means participating in the fullness of the possibility of the resurrection and embracing the living hope that Christ brings. I want to remind each of you at Spark that you are constantly participating in the embodiment of this core principle. Whether it's contributing financially to organizations or partner organizations like We Hope, Bayshore Christian Ministries, Second Harvest of Silicon Valley, AbleWorks, or just recently Project Kilgoris, the COVID-19 pandemic has figuratively and literally brought death to a lot of people in the community. But it has also caused our local bodies to do a way more to bring resurrection and hope in ways that we don't even think about. So today, ask yourself, how can I keep bringing love and reconciliation in this pandemic? How can I practically live out love, reputation, reconciliation of all, rescue to the world, and how can I bring resurrection to a dead situation? I've been so humbled and blessed by this pandemic, believe it or not. In my vocation, I have the honor of serving students at a TK through eight school with my main responsibility being to some of the older students. Because I live in the community, I can take this time and celebrate the students' birthdays. My first interaction was a very sobering in that I called the mother of a young man and asked her permission to drop off a few things to celebrate her son's birthday. I didn't expect a reaction. She started to cry, and she begins to tell me this story of how she couldn't only afford to get her son some balloons from the dollar store, and she felt guilty that she couldn't afford to get him more and anything, uh, anything else because her place of employment went out of business altogether. I didn't think much of it because you know, there's quite a few families who are struggling this holiday season. And then it clicked to me. So I want to challenge each of you at Spark to give where you can. In addition to our partner organizations, please be the resurrection to any organization that can meet the needs of others this holiday season. I myself am personally participating in a toy drive with the goal of reaching each student at the school I work out uh, work at. And if you want to participate in that, please reach out to me. But even if you're not able to participate in that act of restoring the community, please donate to the various food banks, support local mom and pop shop restaurants, bring joy to all important uh, to the clerks of local grocery stores, say a kind word of appreciation to the person bagging your groceries, the person delivering your package in your fast food order that you just ordered on your app. It doesn't have to be a big grandiose act in order to bring resurrection. But just do something and you'll bring resurrection to the community. We're now going to enter into a time of communion. For in the night in which, Jesus, in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, giving it to his disciples saying, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
Likewise, after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you, and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me.